This is episode 16 of Hustle Culture with Alex Berman, the hustler's guide to sales and cold calling. You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hustle Culture. Today, I have with me Los, as always, my co-host, but I also have Alex Berman. Alex Berman is a chief marketing sumo, as he describes himself, but uh, he's going to dive into cold calling, I mean, cold emails and a lot of uh, lead gen stuff. But before we get that going, let's have Los talk. Hey, what is going on, hustlers? Welcome to another episode of Hustle Culture. Thank you so much for listening to us here on iTunes each and every week. Mm-hmm. Like Tayo said, we have a great guest joining us. His name is Alex Berman. He works with a company by the name of Inspire Beats, and he is a chief marketing sumo. So I know I'm looking forward to learning more about what chief marketing sumo does. And we're really excited to have him. So welcome to Hustle Culture, Alex. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, with Chief Marcus Sumo, our head, head of growth, I never know which one it is because you do a lot of those type of things and <laughs> you have a lot of titles. Which one is They're it? all made up titles. Um, <laughs> Chief Marketing Sumo. I'm also SVP of Operations at another company, but I'm actually the founder and then Director of Marketing at another company. But it's all just made up stuff. It doesn't really matter. Gotcha. All, all that matters and is you know what, though, you but, but, but that's that's real talk. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, our show is, is about hustling, right? And so many startups out there, what's great is you can you can start up a business today from your house and you can give yourself a CEO title. Now you are the CEO of a company. And it's, it's crazy because people actually look at you differently based on that title that you have, even if it's for your own company. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's perception. Um so one of the reasons why I'm SVP of operations for the content marketing company I started was because one of my mentors, though, told me don't go in as a CEO because people will look down like if you're a young CEO. But if you're a young SVP, people uh, will look up even if you are actually the founder. So there is like a little bit of perception in there, too. You're not lying, my man. So when we set up this interview, I looked you up on LinkedIn and that was my first inclination was like, wow, this guy's an SVP. <laughs> At a tech startup, like he's doing it. He he's he's made it essentially. So hey, that's that's props. That's all love. So we've got this. We've got this segment that we typically kick off where it's called the weekly grind. Tyo and I talk about one thing that we did this week to stick to our goals from the previous week. So I'm actually going to kick it off and then turn over to to my main man Tyo before we jump into this week's interview with you, Alex. So in terms of weekly grind, I talked on our last episode about how in this year, one of my goals is to create content every week and also to throw my name out there, speak at more conferences tied to social media. So um, I have a new website, yocarlos.com, in which followers of mine on social media can go on there they can ask questions and then what i do with those questions is i create content around them so the first was from actually a snapchat follower that asked me how i got started in social media because he aspires to have a career in social as well and i turned that into a video a snapchat story as well as content for medium and linkedin and the second thing that i did was i was actually on michael stelzner's podcast which is social media marketing hosted by himself and social media examiner and uh you know for me 
it's really important not only to share my story with others, but to use it as a way to motivate and inspire. And that's one thing that throughout 2016, I want to continue to do, whether it's through podcasting here on Hustle Culture, being a guest on other people's podcasts, or even if it's just blogging or YouTubing, everything that I do, everything I put my hands on, if it inspires at least one person along the way, then I feel I'm successful and together we're both winning. No, I love it. And congrats on the Michael Stelzner uh, interview. That's that's a big deal. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of you. So is Alex because Alex is in the process of getting uh, interviews with some of these big wigs. But um, my my, uh, my weekly grind had a lot to do with what, what, you know, what I was talking about last year and part of what I was doing this year because this is the first full week of the year. And one of my goals was to finish uh, 24 books before the end of the year. That roughly gets to two books a month. So I already – I finished – Two books and started on the third book within the first five days of the year, so that was knocked out uh, uh, quickly. Um, I also found that that, like you, you know, I wanted to speak at conferences. I found out that I was keynoting at a conference later in the month, uh, later in the year. So it's my first keynote. I've never done that before, uh, but uh, it's 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 been an interesting week because I, <laughs> right after I found the keynote, I also found that I was going to speak for forty five minutes again at another conference, which is happening next month. So a lot of the goals we set last year started to come in really quick in January. So you know, it just goes to speak with a weekly grind. And we talked about failures in the last episode because we had a lot of failures as well as success. So sometimes it's good when you start off the year on, on a good note. You know, when you find that you're speaking at a couple of conferences, and in your case, you were. You know, you, you, you were interviewed, and um, you also found that by more comfort stuff. But that was the weekly grind. I'm operating on three hours of sleep. I haven't really slept because I was still working on the pitch deck for UID Media. And um, that's been it, man, uh, right up until now. I, I just want to say that you embody, Tayo, what hustle is all about, my man. Yes, yes, you do, Tayo. <laughs> Those of you listening can't see, but Tyler's waving his hands no right now. I'm, I, I, I'm good friends with this guy outside of the podcast that we do. And, and I have just been witness to his work ethic, his hustle, his grind. The dude really doesn't sleep. And we have three hours in between us time difference-wise. And there's times where I'll message him at midnight on my end through Snapchat. And Tyo is still awake at 3 a.m., which is remarkable, man. <laughs> Well, thank you. But to to move it to this the, the amazing hustle we have today, Alex Berman, who for once is actually younger than me, because uh, I usually am the the young one on the podcast. But he's an amazing hustler who's been doing podcasts left and right. I think he had sixteen podcast interviews last month, and he's on the roll to spread the mission about his company. Um, Alex, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you start off the year? Sure. Um, well, so my year hasn't actually ended. I'm just, <laughs> I've been grinding this entire time. Uh, worked for <laughs> Christmas. I was out uh, in Vegas for what was supposed to be a company retreat, but ended up just being us working in our hotel rooms the entire time. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, my background, I've been big into growth. Um, I started a content marketing company back in February um, and then got aqua hired by uh, this company, Inspire Beats, which does lead generation and prospecting outbound emails for startups and SaaS companies and other uh, verticals, agencies, that sort of thing. Um, so right now, that's my main mission. I'm Chief Marketing Sumo out here doing podcasts and, yeah, hoping to drive some more leads for us. Okay. Okay. So what is Inspire Beats? So Inspire Beats, um, have you ever heard of cold emailing or like the concept of cold calling 2.0, anything like that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so you, you well, hear a lot about, you hear about social selling. So... You know, social selling is something that 
a lot of folks talk about today. So how does like cold email differ from getting hit up on LinkedIn randomly? And, and I say that in the context of, so my day job is I work for, for an enterprise software company. I get hit up by vendors every single day because I, I run social media for the organization. So um, how would you compare the act of social selling, someone reaching out to you randomly that you don't necessarily have a relationship with to a cold email? Yeah, so I'm actually director of marketing at a mobile app firm, so I get, I get that too, like nonstop emails <laughs> that are crap. Um, and actually, it's the exact same. Um, that's exactly what I'm talking about doing. The reason why ours works and you ignore theirs is because all of our emails are super customized. And we'll go through, if you want, uh, the exact framework for how your listeners can send emails that people actually respond to. Uh-huh. But when I send out emails um, like that, people will thank me and they'll thank our company for sending stuff out, even if they're not interested. Um, because they get through spam filters and they, they get people's attention, uh, which is a lot better than all this normal stuff that normally comes through, like LinkedIn and stuff. No, that's an interesting point that you brought up. Um, when I was listening to one of the interviews you had, you had a template uh, that you usually go. And I'm always curious, would you advise guys to go through a template or, or go a custom approach? Because you No, said- so I call it a... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I call it a framework, not a template, because... Um, if you have a solid framework, you can customize it for each person. Whereas like a, a template, you're sending out the same words to multiple people. And that's when you start getting into the problem that Carlos was pointing out where it seems like the message isn't direct. So what I recommend everyone do is whenever you send a cold email, either have maybe one sentence that's a template and then like the other four sentences are completely custom per the person. Or just don't even have that one sentence and just take 45, 50 seconds and write out this email. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um, Los, with your company, I know you, you do a lot of, um, I guess, cold emails and cold calls. But I'm, I'm curious on your opinion with this, Carlos, as well. What's the difference of cold call and cold email, and why do you feel like one is better than the other? So they're basically the same. Um, there's this guy, Aaron Ross, who wrote this book, Predictable Revenue. And he calls uh, cold emailing cold calling 2.0, which is basically sending a cold email to somebody um, to try to book a call versus just calling them direct. Mm-hmm. So old school cold calling. Um, is you know calling people direct when they're in the middle of whatever they're doing and interrupting them and then trying to get a meeting that way. Um, what we found recently is that cold calling is, is starting to die. One, because people mm-hmm. don't really answer their phones anymore. Um, there's a lot more uh, VAs and um, secretaries and stuff that are blocking the paths. Um, and also people are super annoyed by it. Uh, whereas people do check their emails and if you send people a, a custom pitch, they're a lot more likely to respond. And when they finally get on the phone, they're not angry at you. Yeah, I'm going to give you an example. So like I said earlier on, um, when we first got started, I, you know, I work for a company and I get hit up almost on a daily basis by sales reps. And I'll share with you something that happened earlier this week. In fact, I had a sales rep that called the uh, switchboard to the company where I work and was able to get to me. So he found me through LinkedIn, called the switchboard, operator connects him to me. He gets on the phone with me, and I'm not expecting this person's call. And he goes into total sales pitch mode before I'm able really to even get a few words out of my mouth, asking if he can have 15 minutes of my time right there and then. So I would say that's an example of a really bad cold call. And the flip side of that is... A lot of folks nowadays are finding LinkedIn is a great gateway to go ahead and find decision makers at companies, but they're not taking the time to build the relationships. So, you know, as we talk about cold emails specifically, 
Um, are, are you seeing that there's a higher return rate in terms of conversions, responses by sending someone a cold email? Because I, I get these also where it seems like it's personalized and it'll come my way. I'll have my name. It'll actually have the name of the company I work for and it'll address very vaguely a problem that is in my industry. So, for example, like I'll get an email from a company that does um, social media analytics. And it'll seem like it's personalized and basically this person is trying to get 30 minutes of my time. I'll be completely frank with you. I don't bite on those. But I'm really curious from your perspective if you're seeing startups specifically have success by going down that route. Yeah. So that email with the vague templated roboting sort of thing, I'm not a big fan of. For that sort of thing, I'd probably say something like, you know, hey, Carlos, I was looking at your social media profile, big fan of, you know, X podcast episode that you did. Noticed that your following on your regular social media is a lot different than your company's social media. Any reason for that? Um, we do. So I'm, I'm Alex Berman. I do marketing for this company. We do social media analytics. Would it be possible to chat? I'm really curious about what you're doing and would love to pitch you on what we do. But would that be something that would be automated or would it be no. you <laughs> actually taking the time to write that out? That I just wrote that right now. How long did that take? Dude? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because what I'm saying, you know, that approach in sales, I actually respect because to me that says you took the time to actually do a little bit of research on who I am. You might have just learned about me, gone to my Twitter account, and then you know maybe see me on LinkedIn, and then you send me an email. I totally respect that approach because at least you took the time. What I personally, as a brand marketer have no tolerance or patience for is what I call a blind email or you know very similar to a cold email or a blind LinkedIn message when it's just very vague and it has no real context behind it because the person is really just trying to you know close you before they even get you on the phone yeah exactly um, one of the biggest problems that people can make is assuming that even assuming that they have like the perfect template even if it's sent out to 10 people, that perfect template's going to break down, right? Because there's little subtle things that are different in the in the approach, even if you're using the same style of words uh, that are different between persons, uh, people. So what I like to do is, yeah, open with a subject line that's something super customized to them. So for podcasts, it's always like, you know, room for another interview, Carlos, or room for another interview, Tayo. Um, for projects, I always like to spell out exactly what it is. So for instance, I was just pitching this Ruby on Rails list to agencies, and the subject line was, Built a tool that automatically finds Ruby on Rails projects. That's something you'd be interested in, Carlos. And that got opens because you know they're biz dev for Ruby on Rails. They want Ruby on Rails projects. Mm -hmm. Then uh, then we jump into the email. You know, it'd be something like, "Hey, I was browsing around on your portfolio. Really love the work you did for Tyson Chicken. The app looks amazing." You know, that gets some reading. Then you know you go into a pitch that's customized or even something that's templated, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know they're already hooked, right? That you had the amazing subject line. You had the amazing. Uh, customized first sentence, then they read like a one sentence pitch, they're already invested in the email. And then what I like to do is have a PS line that calls out something on their social media too. So it would, it would be like, Carlos, notice you really like Snapchat. Uh, what, what do you think are the, the biggest things in the industry right now? We'd love to chat about that too. Right, right. You know, um, the thing with you um, and that I love, uh, despite the fact that we're both in our twenties, is <laughs> is the fact that you you um, you you highlight the the necessity of emails. People always say email is dead, but then you found a way to to actually get through those guys. I was listening to one of your interviews, and you said 
it's really sometimes just about guessing, right? And you can guess the combination <laughs> of people. And, 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 and sometimes when you say that, people are like, why would I waste time guessing? But, you know, in your case, it's, it's had a lot of success. You know, I think you sent a, over a million emails. And can you, I just want you to talk about why it's important to put in the time to guess for that person's email. Because that might be the difference between you meeting Richard Branson or not. Because if you don't put that time, you never know what could happen. Sure. Yeah, it's a it's return on investment, right? You could spend maybe five minutes, come up with a list of ten thousand people, and blast out the same email to all of them. That would take you five minutes of your time. Or you could spend, you know, one minute per email to guess the correct email address and go through all of it and actually get responses of people right. that care about you. Yeah. So it's you know it's um, the disconnect between seeming busy versus actually getting results. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's only a little bit more time you need to put in to actually get the results versus just the seeming busy. Can, most people would go towards that first thing. Can you, us, can you give us some tips on that and what you can use and tools you use for that? Sure. Yeah, so for the actual emails themselves, uh, I've been using, I used to just use uh, a Google Drive and do a mail merge, but now I've been using this CRM called Streak, which is free, I think. Free uh-huh. or, or almost free. Uh-huh. And then uh, for guessing email addresses, uh, emailhunter.co or thrust.io are, are two good sites to guess email addresses. Um, those are two starter tools, I think. Okay. And a report of used to be good, right? I don't know if it's still good, but report is still fine. Okay, uh, I still use it. Yeah, because the, um, the, there are other tools that. Oh, go for it. No, yeah, it, it shows like the social media profiles and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So the reason why report is good, it's not to actually find the social media profiles. It's to let you know when an email address is valid. Uh-huh. So when someone creates um, a LinkedIn profile, now that report is actually owned by LinkedIn, it auto links their email addresses. So. Basically, if I was trying to guess like my own email address, Alex at InspireBeats, I, I would guess like A. Berman at InspireBeats, plug it into Reportive, and no profile would come up. But if I try a different iteration, I try Alex at InspireBeats, my profile would come up to LinkedIn, and then I'd know that it's valid. Gotcha. And yeah, that still works great. Yeah. I, I started off in sales. I used to use Reportive a lot, and that was one of the ways I used to validate if my email went there. Um, <laughs> all but- of the... Um, all the tactics and everything are still exactly the same as they've been like six or seven years ago when Aaron wrote gotcha. uh, Predictable Revenue. Gotcha. It's just no one does it, or very few people actually take the time gotcha. to customize emails. Yeah. Those. So I want to take some time, Alex. Let's talk about your personal journey. Let's talk about how you got started. So for starters, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> 24. Yeah, twenty four years old. That's wow. my that's my brother. Why? Are you, that's my brother, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, hey, hey, Wait, hey no, I, I'm, I, I'm twenty. I, I'm twenty six. Twenty six. I got started, you know, on, you know, in the game early in life. So, uh, did you uh, did you happen to go to college, Alex? Yeah, I went. Um, I went to college. I graduated, I think, in two thousand something. I don't even want to do the math. I, I don't really know time anymore. Two thousand something. <laughs> All right. 2007. So you graduated college. You're 24 years old. So talk to us a little bit about your hustler's journey and how you got started in uh, in tech marketing and startups. Sure. So it it did kind of start in college. I was pretty bored um, all day, like sitting around in bed, and I needed something to do. So I I found Ramit Sethi's "I Will Teach You to Be Rich" um, and started reading that about like personal finance. And the more I dug into personal finance, it seemed like making money was probably the route to go. And on one of his posts, I found 4-Hour Workweek, and that was really like the catalyst that started it off. Um, so I read that, tried a few things. Um, I tried to create like all these different businesses for a long time. Like One was like a meditative, meditative painting course. Uh-huh. And one was like a learn karate at home course. Like I was trying all this random <laughs> stuff. It wasn't working. Um, but that's how it started. 
So talk to us about the failures then. What did you learn from them? Because I've had a few of them myself, and I always think there's an interesting story behind those. I think it's all iterative, right? Because originally I was starting after I read uh, Four Hour Work Week with a lot of like business to consumer style projects, things that reco- that required like ad spend and like. Uh, at one point, I was calling magazines to like negotiate ad rates, even though I didn't have any money. Um, but like, I I realized over time that that wasn't really working. Um, and then I read this book called The Lean Startup, um, which kind of got me into B two B. So that was really the book that got me started with cold emailing. And what I found was. Uh, I could send emails to people for customer development, and they would answer. I ended up talking to the CEO of Udemy. I talked to like the C- a couple of different CEOs when I was still in college. Uh, I talked to Neil Patel for like an hour. I didn't even publish or record the interview. I just like talked to him wow. um, for a college project. And yeah, I was really seeing like the power of of all this cold emailing and stuff. And then I guess it just it just kind of grew. There were a lot of failures though, a lot of false starts and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's to be expected. Um, Any time that you're that you're climbing and starting from ground zero, you're you're gonna stumble. I, I you know I don't like to use the word failure because I think everything that you do in life is a learning experience for the next, and everything's a stepping stone. You know, that's something that Tyler and I we've talked about quite a bit on our show. You know, we bring up the word failure because people associate it with times in which they've struggled or they've had to overcome a, a, a adversity, but. Um, let's talk about what you've learned from these obstacles that you've had to overcome. So the, the biggest thing, um, and I'm sure Tayo can agree with me on this is hard work is the only thing that actually matters. So like the first company I had that like failed was this menu rewriting service where basically I would go into restaurants and like offer to rewrite their menu for like a hundred bucks, something super cheap. (laughs) And I got two clients with it, but then I just stopped going into restaurants and developing business like I didn't I just didn't do the work and the company failed um then I like when I tried to be a marketing consultant a couple years later it was the same thing like I wasn't consistently going out and prospecting so yeah the the biggest thing I learned and the the difference between that and then what I'm doing now at Inspire Beats and what I was doing with content is that I'm working on all of these every day they're they're jobs yeah I'm working like eight hours a day at least yeah no I hear you you know one thing I want to talk about is um to stay in the hard work uh, vein I, I I there was a moment for me when I, I knew I wanted to reach the CEO of BuzzFeed and I said it was 4am as I'm typically up which is such a bad habit and I was watching an interview with him and I was like ah you know I wonder if he has an operation in Nigeria you know so then I just thought Jonah Jonah at BuzzFeed.com maybe it'll work and then I started <laughs> typing you might be interested in this subject line uh, and then I put the you know ellipsis, and I said, "Hey, um, I, you know, it was this article that led me to launch my first podcast, as told by Nomads, which led me to uh, to launch UID Media. I was looking, and I didn't, I noticed that you hadn't thought of Nigeria as you know, opening an office there. Would you be interested in in this?" And I left it at that. Um, and I got an email the next morning from their team, and I was so freaking surprised. I was like, "What?" I just guessed the email and I put a subject line and, and, and then, you know, they started talking to me. But the, what that led me to understand was the subject is so key. Why is that key, do you believe, in getting emails opened? Well, it's the same reason if you studied anything about content marketing, that headline is the most important thing. Um, mm-hmm. And content is the most important thing in emails because it, it's what gets their attention. Uh, what we've actually found, though, in... Um, in research, uh, when we were sending these million cold emails, is that it's not the most important thing, actually. It's not? Well, it is the most important. It's, it's the most important thing, but not the only thing. Okay. So, for instance, we tried some scammy subject lines uh, that had super high open rates, like attention with four exclamation points. 
or like um, open now or read this or, um, you know, things like that, Okay, which did get super high open rates, um, you know, good subject lines that got open rates, but they got people mad at us and they got people to close the emails immediately. So what we found better uh, works better is a subject line that clearly explains what's going on in the email and then a first line of the email that continues in that same vein, right? Um, the disconnect, if, you're, if your subject line is different than the body of the email, it's, it's going to get instantly deleted. Okay, so it has to make sense. All right, okay. All right, Carlos, what do you think about that? Because you do a lot of that. You're the one that you email more than I do these days. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I emailed actually a lot more back when I had my startup Jobs Direct USA. And, and one thing I wanted to just kind of, you know, add to what both of you guys said is you have to go through a few rough patches in order to reach the top of the mountain and to, to taste success. So for anyone out there that is thinking about starting a business but is afraid to fail, you know what? You got to take risks. And if you don't take risks, then you're going to keep being on, you know, sitting on the sidelines watching other people succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's real talk. But when I started up my business in 2008, it was a staffing firm. I knew nothing about HR whatsoever. I did not have a background in recruiting, but I had a mission and I had passion and heart behind my business, which was to help mid to senior level professionals find jobs and teach them how to use social media to connect with recruiters. So I really let my passion fuel me. And let me tell you something, guys. I've looked back and I've probably sent, no joke, over 100,000 LinkedIn messages in the seven, almost eight years that I've been on LinkedIn. And that's a lot. That's a lot of spamming the shit out of people. But what I'm trying to get at is you got to take those chances, okay? And I always say this. You're going to knock on a lot of doors in life and in business, and you're going to be told no a lot of times. So if you knock on 100 doors and 99 people say no, but one person says yes, the mission accomplished. Uh-huh. Now everyone's going to be a fan of your product. Now everyone's going to be a fan of your, of your approach. But uh, you know, one thing I have to say is I noticed once I started to actually focus on building the relationship instead of pushing the product, and this again goes back to when I was running my own company, I was a CEO at the age of 25, things started to turn around. So people want to be engaged. They don't want to be sold to. I personally, I hate being sold to. Mm-hmm. If you approach me with a sales pitch, we're not even having a conversation. <laughs> and I say to people, think of sales like dating. You have to court the person that you want to sell to. You can't just come out and say, I want to hop in bed with you if you're on a date. Same th- principles apply to sales. You can't just come out and say, hey, I've got this product. Check it out. It's amazing. I want to sell it to you. Give me your money. You have to get to know someone, massage them through building that relationship, and then discover what their needs are. If someone has a need, great. Pitch them. If they don't have a need, still tell them about your product because they might know five to ten other people that need it. Right, right. I've got a, I got a point off that. First of all, um, cold emailing, it's not like dating all you write. Or, or, sorry, it's, it's similar to dating because you can't have the same sort of pickup line work every single time, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's one. You can't just memorize like this ultimate book of pickup lines and just spray them out. Um, the second thing was, you're right, um, and and that's really impressive, man. What you've been doing on LinkedIn, I'm super impressed. Yeah. Do you find the correlation with LinkedIn and email? Is there a similarity there when you're using InMail? Yeah. So the only reason I use InMail is whenever someone pitches me spam, uh, I usually hit them back and be like, this email sucks. You should go to Inspire Beats. Oh, um, that, work, that works sometimes. 
Uh, otherwise, I found that yeah, LinkedIn doesn't work as effective as uh, as effectively as email. Um, mostly because everyone's just got their email open all the time, and there's too much spam on LinkedIn, probably well, from people like you, Carlos. So <laughs> I, I want to throw this out there. I want to throw out how I've been able to leverage LinkedIn throughout the years, and this is this is you know a a hack, if you will, that can potentially work for anyone listening uh, out there. So by connecting with someone on LinkedIn, if they have their work email or most people they have their work email associated with their LinkedIn account by connecting with someone on LinkedIn you have access to their email address so you can immediately take the conversation from LinkedIn over to email so what I did early on when I started discovering that people were getting spammed and hit up on LinkedIn I would then go to their email so I would use LinkedIn as the bridge to get me to who I wanted to sell to, who I wanted to connect with, and then I would immediately take the conversation off of LinkedIn. Another pro tip, I like to call it a hack, is you can also see within LinkedIn if that person has their Twitter account connected. So take the conversation if you don't want to go straight to email because let's face it, people are being hit up by email as well. Go to, go to Twitter. Hit them up there. And if you really want to go over the edge and get on someone's radar – Go find them on Facebook because what you'll find is sales reps, they'll go to LinkedIn, they'll go to email, they'll stop at Twitter, but they're not going to Facebook. And I'll tell you what, when I was running my staffing business, I had a tremendous amount of success connecting with recruiters for enterprise companies through Facebook. But the initial relationship started with LinkedIn and keep in mind that you have access to their email address just by connecting with them on that medium. The other channels work too, also. So, like, you, you're a big fan of Snapchat. I've got clients on Snapchat too, um, and text messaging, and Skype's been a big one, also, just chatting back and forth all day. Really? So any of those, yeah. Are perfect. You got to go outside the box, you know, and, and I like to believe that, you know, sales, even though historically it's a game that's played one to one, you have to use various mediums in order to go ahead and reach your, your target audience and, you know, the person that you're trying to sell to. So, um, if, LinkedIn is the bridge that gets you to connect with them. Don't just stop there. Use all mediums possible in order to go ahead and build the relationship. Well, okay, right. I, I want to ask you this, uh, Alex. So, for Inspired Beats, you know, you and Carlos have both talked about how several platforms, it's like dating, it's cording. What is the hope? Uh, what's the dream? What do you want it to be in the next two to three years? Inspire Beats? Yes, Inspire Beats. Uh, so over the last year, we've we've grown like tremendously fast. Uh, I was talking to a startup the other day. He said he was in hyper growth mode. So now I, I don't want to use that phrase because it sounds weird. Um, so in the next couple of years, we're hoping to get more enterprise. Most of our clients right now, it's about 70% software as a service, like funded startups, and then 30% agencies. So for the next year, we want to break into other verticals, like more enterprise level deals, uh, more... Um, uh, other industries, so like you know, people in manufacturing or people in uh, insurance, like all those boring industries that all these startups don't want to tackle. Yeah, and we didn't really want to tackle too much. We're we're learning how to deal with it now, and uh, and do those. No, that's brilliant because it's obviously, like you said, it's it's boring, but that's it's a big, large industry. Construction is a big industry. No one talks about it, but imagine if you actually owned that market and all the leads that you could get from there. Um, so. What what I'm thinking of right now is I'm you know Alex I'm, I'm listening to the interview and I'm thinking I want to reach out to a bunch of people I'm this startup and I don't know how <laughs> to reach out to them how can I come to your company what's the business model what's the what's what's the process in getting involved with working with you and um, how can I do that walk me through that process yeah totally and that was um, 
Carlos, you were talking about how much of a grind like the cold emailing process is, and that was actually the main reason our company exists, right? Because reaching out to thousands of people, it does suck. It gets tiring. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, what we do is outbound. We do all that for you. Um, all you have to do to get started, if you go over to inspirebeats.com, all the packages are there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, all, it's all monthly. It's not based on lead or anything. Um, we've got one where it's just leads only if you want to send the cold emails yourself, mm-hmm. and then we've got other packages if you want us to send the cold emails on your behalf. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Carl, this might be something yeah. to look into. I'm thinking, so I'm building the podcast business, and I'm trying to get you know, in front of all these important guests, because as, uh, if you get one big guest, then that could like, you know, spiral all your things. Um, let's say, you know, for one of the podcasts I host, I, I want to get, you know, I don't know, Branson. I'm going to swing for the stars here. Oh, literally go <laughs> to space with this virgin there. Um, well, well, how would, what would you advise me to do on that? Um, so I would find a bunch of people like Branson and pitch all of them. So mm-hmm. like for Richard Branson, maybe there's other influencers at his level. So like mm-hmm. Richard Branson, um, like Damon John, probably a good one. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, who else is on like Shark Tank? Barbara Cochran. Barbara like, Cochran. Everyone. At, yeah. Mark like I would Cogan. make a huge list of all of those and okay. then, yeah, just email all of them and see who bites. Okay. No, but I'm saying, yep. okay, basically. No, that's good. I was, I was just curious to see what reason I wanted to say that was because the reason I was saying that everybody always talks about wanting to, you know, get those big guys, but I wanted you to sort of hone in that point that there are other people like them and you never know who they know. So if you land one of those people, it sort of networks that way. Say, so, hey, you know, I'm doing this. I really enjoyed the interview with you. You should probably interview, I don't know, Damon or Mark Cuban <laughs> or Mr. Wonderful. And then yeah. that sort of starts the effect. So that's a good point. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that, you know, if if, if you get like one-itis on one specific target um, in, in anything, it's, it's going to be like not good. So you want to always have multiple targets that way. You know, if one falls through, your life doesn't fall apart. I know, it, especially for like the job search, this works, right? If you have one company that you want to work for, and that's the only company you want, let's say you get an interview with them, right? Um, you'll stop the job search for the other companies, and then when, if that interview goes badly, you'll just be screwed because you haven't been doing any other work. Exactly. So that's why I always try to have multiple targets and everything. Alex, so let's let's talk uh, a little bit more about prospecting. So specifically for startups out there that are looking to grow and scale their business, how do they go about finding the perfect lead, whether it's B2B or B2C? Sure. Um, I'll focus mostly on, on B2B. For B2C, it would mostly be strategic partners, right? Um, that, that would be my expertise. Uh, yeah. There was a reason I moved out of B2C. But for B2B, what you want to do is look online, uh, think about what the buying signals would be, right? What does a company that wants to buy your service look like? So for instance, for your staffing firm, um, it would be a company, you know, of a certain number of employees that's probably looking for jobs either on AngelList or Indeed, right? If they're looking for a certain st- uh, staff, they would be good to reach out to. So that would be the buying signal for you, right? Um, for other sort of companies, uh, or for other companies, it would be similar things. If it's a mobile app development shop, um, maybe they're looking for mobile app developers on a job board. If it is a WordPress plugin that you're trying to sell, maybe you come up with a list of uh, competitor plugins and then use a, a site like Built With to scan the internet and find all the sites that are using your competitor plugins and then you pitch all of them. So you want to find uh, multiple qualifiers and then that's how you start building the list. Yeah. Uh, it's a couple questions that you, should, that you should ask when you're going after the, the qualifiers. The first is, 
you know, who am I selling to and what exactly do they look like? You want to get super specific, right? You want to know everything from how many employees they should have to the job title of the person that is eventually going to buy from you to the job titles of any gatekeepers um, to like any other sort of signals, right? Whether they're hiring in a place, whether they have a tool, that sort of thing. Um, if you can come up with those three, uh, you're gonna be, it's going to be a lot easier for you to find the people that you're going after. You know, it's it's interesting you said. So I live here in San Francisco, and I've never met so many tech startups in my life um, since the last year that I've lived out this way. And what I've discovered by getting to know the startup community is you've got so many young entrepreneurs out there like yourself that they know how to build a great product, but they don't know how to how to actually go out and sell it. So. Oftentimes when I meet folks at an event, it seems like what they say to me just in person, their elevator pitch sounds scripted. So let's talk about that for a second. Do you feel that um, whether someone's working in sales or they are a founder or co-founder, should they have a sales script or should they do away with it altogether? No. So what you should use instead of a sales script um, when you're on an actual call itself is qualifying questions and then go from there. Um, so, for instance, have you ever used any vendors like us in the past? Or um, if they, you know, if, if you were like, yeah, we used a bunch of staffing firms and they all suck, I'd be like, oh, yeah, what, what was wrong with them? What, what didn't you like? And then basically lead the conversation with questions rather than having scripted answers to everything. Um, I'm fine with losing a few deals if it's a learning experience. Um, and my team's all fine with that, too. Uh, okay. So that's anything like that is better than using a sales script. And then for networking events, um, Elevator pitches are fine. I used to run a, well, I guess I still technically co-found a, a meetup group in New York with 2,500 people. We meet once a month. And <laughs> um, and what I found there is the people that come from group to group and have their sales pitch, uh, it's not, um, they're not uh, intercepted well. Like they're not uh, appreciated in the group. So what works better is just opening like a human, like talking about sports, talking about the Patriots or whatever, uh, getting the conversation warm and then making them ask you what you do, right? Um, and then, yeah, keeping it super short, like for us, it would be we do all in one lead gen for startups and agencies. Does that sound scripted? Because <laughs> it's that short, man. Yeah. Well, you know, staying on events, then, and thank you for the shout out to the Patriots because the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Thank you, Carlos. <laughs> but, um, anyways, but, uh, but, uh, I've got jokes. <laughs> but staying on events, I know you're a big fan of conference and you think conferences are a great way to, um, to lead gen, really, to generate leads. Why do you feel so? Carlos goes to a lot of conferences. We talked about getting to speak at conferences at the at the beginning of the podcast. And um, I think some people get frustrated because they go in there expecting to get business cards and they don't get the response that they want. So I'm curious as to what your hack is. Okay. So at a conference, there are three groups of people, right? There are speakers, there are attendees, and there are exhibitors. Uh, speakers and exhibitors are the only two that I go after at a conference. Because speakers have the you know social clout to spread a message, so I always try to ask a question while I'm uh, in an, in any sort of talk um, mm-hmm. and mention our company name. So I was just at Seattle Interactive, and every speaker I, I stood up and I was like, "Alex from Inspire Beats here," and then I asked the question, and then also spoke to the speaker after. So that connection is very important. And then the other thing that we do uh, when we go lead gen at events is all of the exhibitors. If we if we're going to a conference where um, our target market is the people selling to the attendees, all the exhibitors are going to be our clients. So for instance, if uh, Carlos, if you were trying to sell you know, staffing, 
you would go to a conference where all the exhibitors would be like mobile app developers or the type of people that you're trying to place jobs for rather than going mm-hmm. to a conference where all the exhibitors are going to be staffers, which sounds kind of straightforward, right, when I say it like that, but you'd, you'd be surprised how few people do that. So like so developers and social media people go to social media con, for instance. That's a total waste of time. Um, our, our company, if we went to sales stack, right, with, with other salespeople, uh, that would be a total waste of time. A better conference for us would be something like Dreamforce, where it's a bunch of people in IT because we, you know, we sell into those big companies that are using, you know, uh, Salesforce CRM and and those sort of IT platforms. Another good one that we went to was Social Media or uh, Seattle Interactive, which was all advertisers in Seattle in the uh, in the social media and advertising world. So that one was really good for us. Um, if you sell to dentists, you know, go to ADA, go to the American Dental Association. Don't go to, you know, the online marketing conversion uh, meetup or whatever. So that's so a couple things was, I heard there. Uh, yeah, a couple things I heard there in order to uh, growth hack the conference circuit is to, one, uh, go to conferences that um, you know that the vendors that are there you're going to be able to, to sell to. Uh, the other is, and this is a brilliant strategy because a lot of the conferences that I go to, I hear folks such as yourself that will be the first person to get up and ask a question. And they say just that they always announce themselves. Hi, I'm so-and-so with X company. And then they lead in with their question, which is just fantastic. Great strategy. But to keep it real, Alex, how does a startup afford to go to these conferences? Because some, you know, oftentimes the cost to attend a, a, a conference, especially a major one can be, you know, couple thousand dollars so how you know tell us are, are these events that you're paying to go to you know how are you able to get into them and how can a startup that's just getting off the ground doesn't necessarily have that marketing budget still get into conferences totally well if you're a startup and you don't have the marketing budget i would say focus on cold emails and get the budget first um there are other lower cost ways to get into conferences. Um, for instance, if you go to one that's around your city, like I'm in San Francisco, you're in San Francisco. They have conferences here probably like every week. So if you go to one every that's around day, your city, man, every single day. Yeah. Are you in Soma? I am actually in the East Bay, but I know for a fact there are conferences in San Francisco every single day. If you go to Eventbrite and a lot of them are free, which yeah. is really cool. So yeah. Yeah. So if you're in a city like New York or San Francisco, uh, you can basically a lot of the times just walk into the conferences and it's fine. Otherwise, if you buy a ticket, it's a couple hundred bucks versus the couple thousand it would be if you flew out and had to do hotels. So that's another trick. Um, but honestly, if you don't have the money to go to a conference, I wouldn't go to one. It's not that worth it. Cold emailing is a lot more effective. That's why we have you on here because I don't think there's any other place for them to go to but Inspired Beats. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so so we're getting ready to wrap up here and – one of the things that I've, I've enjoyed in this interview is the fact that you, you know you highlighted, you know, the necessary stages to get to success. You know, and it's really boils down to hard work, but also positioning yourself and putting yourself in, in the place where you know you're right in front of the influencers and the decision makers. Whether it's cold emailing the right people or whether it's talking to the right people at the conferences. And I, I guess if if um I, if I wanted to summarize this or give you a chance to summarize this, I, I want to put on my best uh, Mark Cuban hat. Because, you know, I'm a Shark Tank fan, and uh, the culture comes on after Shark Tank, and we call this the Shark Tank session. So, Alex, I'm giving you 30 seconds to pitch me, really, why I should go into Alex, uh, why Inspired Beats is a company that I should invest in. And I... Uh, go. 
<laughs> sure, man. Uh, so Mark Cuban, you've been an entrepreneur. You know how hard it is, especially when you were starting out to get your first few customers, right? You got to sit down, you got to send emails, you got to cold call people, do all this stuff. It sucks. What you'd rather want to do, what you, what you want to be doing is talking to the customers, right? Actually getting them interested in the product and pitching them. Um, so what we do is we take out that problem. So rather than you having to go out there and send hours of cold emails just to get one meeting, we do all of that work so that you just have to sit there and take the one meeting. Um, we allow entrepreneurs to focus on selling their product rather than trying to get sales for the product. Excellent. Alex, and last question for you. Where can anyone out there listening find you and learn more about your company? Sure. Um, so our company is inspirebeats.com. Um, if you want to talk to me, just hit the contact form, mention this podcast, and they'll probably send you my way. Um that's it. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Alex Berman. Gotcha. All, all right, right, all right. Well, hey, Alex, thank you so much for coming on to Hustle Culture today. It's been great chatting with you. And uh, I tell you, this episode, if I had to put a title on it, I'd say this is the Hustler's Guide to Sales and Cold Calling. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I thank you, Alex. I know we had a lot of technical difficulties today, but um, really appreciate you taking the time, and I look forward to definitely investing your thing. Because Carlos, we we've got some conferences we've got to go to, so we might need to test out their product. So, um, absolutely, we're definitely interested. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Obviously, you just heard a great, great uh, um, interview with Alex Berman. And today, uh, you know, it's the first week of the new year. And what I really want to remind you of is that set the year and the week off with intention. Remember that you, you know, probably had New Year's resolution. But don't, don't think of it as goals you can just check off. Think of it as a daily practice that you have to, to continuously do to better yourself uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, um, because the best of the best always grow and you don't want to ever be uh, complacent. So as we wrap up, as we always say, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, make sure whatever you're doing, you use your difference to make a difference. And that's it. Real talk for me. Real talk. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Hustle Culture. Make sure you subscribe to us here on iTunes. and We'll be back next week with another episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hustle Culture Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and keep on hustling.